Hi there, and welcome to TrailerCast. I am Elise Snipes, your host, and I am super excited to be here today. Um, TrailerCast has, it's what started as like a creative need to just process and think and and be here has become this super neat place of connection. And in this specific ongoing series of trailer cast conversations, I get the opportunity to sit down with listeners, people just like you, that are thinking and working through their own stuff and story. And last week, after I released an episode about my brother and my mom, um, there was someone who reached out and she reached out because she connected to a, a piece of that story and we wrote back and forth and she decided to come on the show. And so I'm so excited to get to introduce you today to a fellow listener and someone who has done a lot of her own work. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a couple things. Um, the big C, cancer, motherhood, and repairing things within ourselves along the way. I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to tell you. At the end of all of these episodes, whenever we're doing a trailer cast interview or trailer cast conversation, I pipe in after our conversation to just kind of reflect, um, point out certain things, and then connect it also to your story. So don't forget to make it to the end of the episode so we can have a chance to think about this together as well. jump in for me where what was like you were having an aha moment or a moment of like oh whoa okay yeah (laughs) well I think that's I think it's so my core value is connection and I think when you hear something that somebody else has gone through and you think you're the only one you're like well I'm the only person who's done this so um I am a high school band director I've always wanted to do that. Like my students who are like, Miss Lily, when did you want to know what you wanted to do? And I say, I'm a freak. I knew in seventh grade, like that's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. So I'll just, I listened to your podcast and I, it resonated so deeply with me and this is the story. So I'll tell the story. I'll try not to be too long winded. No, Um, that's why we're here. I want to hear the story. Yeah. So I graduated from college. Um, and I was 20, like 22, 23. It took me four and a half years uh, <laughs> instead of the four. Uh, so, and I was ready to go out and tackle the world and get a teaching job. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Sometimes I wonder what it would have been like if I like worked in a tiki bar in the Bahamas, but that was not in the cards. <laughs> we could still do that. I will meet you I, there. <laughs> retirement goals, retirement goals. So um, I graduated and I had this weird pain behind my ear. And I was a flute player. That was my, my f- instrument of choice. And I, I went listen. to the doctor. So, oh, yeah. There Seven. <laughs> there's a really, it's somebody should do, there's like personalities that go with instruments. It should be like an Enneagram, you know, like, oh, you play clarinet. <laughs> we know about you. <laughs> yeah, we got that. So, um, and I went to the seven different doctors. Some doctors were like, Oh, it's TMJ. Yeah. Seven different doctors. And nobody could tell me what was going on back there. So I went to my dentist who was a friend of our family's and he was like, there's something back there. I can feel it. I don't know what it is, but there's something there. 
So I went to the doctor who like literally the heavens opened and he was like, do you see this here? It's not over here. What are you doing on Friday? We're taking it out. And I was like, okay. whoa, okay. Wow. Okay. Life-changing okay. moment. Yeah. So the scary thing was that your facial nerve runs through your parotid gland, which is where my tumor was. And they said that it was possible that they were going to have to cut my facial nerve. So if they would have cut my facial nerve, I would have lost all feeling in my face and I wouldn't have been able to play anymore, which was just about the most devastating thing you could have told me. Cause that's, that was, that's my lifeline. Like that was just what I did. So it was, I was scared, really scared. And I even said, if it's cancer, bring it on. I don't care, but don't cut that nerve. Like I can beat anything, but I, I have to be able to play. Yes. Yes. Wow. So I went in and had surgery. It took about four hours and, um, I had a miracle surgeon and my facial nerve was fine. It ended up that the tumor was cancerous, but it was completely encapsulated and it was like the best case scenario that you could ever have. So I had, I didn't have to do chemotherapy, which is fantastic, but I did have to do six weeks of radiation, which was not fun. Hmm. So Uh, understatement (laughs) that radiation is not fun not fun (laughs) so to get to the point um my mom spent the night in the hospital with me when I had the surgery I came home and she had a trip planned with my father to go to Germany for like three or four weeks and I am certain that I told her to go I am certain that I told her I was okay And her and my dad went, my dad went kicking and screaming, which I found out afterwards. He, he didn't want to leave me. And so I was pretty much by myself. I have a sister who's four years older than me and she was with me and did the best that she could. She was living her life too, but I was really alone and I felt really abandoned, you know, but also like when you, I felt when I got diagnosed with cancer, I've never felt as alone in my life because nobody can feel what you're going through except you, you know, there's no, there's no way to explain to anybody what it's like. And you don't want to burden anybody. You don't want to like, you don't want to be, you know, you want to be tough and you want to be strong and you don't want to, because nobody really understands. And then my parents left. And so I had the two people that I, that nurtured me were, you know, we're just not there. And I was left to go through it on my own. So that was really tough. I think the lowest point was I had a orchestra rehearsal and I came home and my mouth was so sore from radiation. Um, And my sister was there and I just sat down on the kitchen floor and lost it. I was like, if I can't play, like, I just, I just want to play. I just want this to go away and all of those things. So fast forward, 25 years it's been that long okay so 25 years in between now and then was this like buried or was it still like it's like boiling on the back burner all the time I think I think it I think it simmers maybe I think Mm -hmm. the situation with my mom boils I think you know I've always had people who find out that I had cancer will always say, Oh my God, I had no idea. And I said, well, it's not like, hi, it's nice to meet you. My name is April. And I had cancer. Like, I, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. You know, it didn't define me. I, 
it helped me through a situation. I was in kind of a low point in my life and I think it woke me up. So if mm. I could learn, wow. If, wow. if I could learn from that situation, it was sort of like the piano got dropped on my head and said, Hey, <laughs> like get it together. Um, so a waking up, there's a waking up in a sense. And maybe even at that age, like you, you said, I want my, you guys can go. I didn't really want you to go. I wish you would have known and heard me and stayed uh -huh. and done the parent thing. And, and yet I don't know. And I'm keeping a lot of this insight. I'm just internally, I mean, you know what, look, all my pain is also encapsulated, just like my cancer was encapsulated. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep it in here. Yep. I, I do that. And I don't like to ask for help still to this day. That's a, that's a hurdle. Like rule. If yeah, rule of life. clearly and said, listen, I need, I don't know what's going on here in the next six weeks. Please just stay with me. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons on yeah. how to try to ask for help. It's just hard. I think as women mm -hmm. we're it's so hard to ask for help. You know, we are willing to help anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll help mm -hmm. anybody. But when it comes to me asking for help, that's really hard to do, yeah. Yeah. you know? So I found that I do it much better at work than I used to. Like I used to think I could yeah. take on the, yeah. take on the world. I think I learn everything um, at work first. <laughs> yeah. It's a great space to practice things because they are a little less personal there. Right. Yeah. And I, my students and all of that I do, I, it's always been my first love. So I think it's, you know, it's easier for me to test things out there, be me there than yes. anywhere else. Yes. So, okay. um, so 25 years goes by yeah. and you're cancer free yep. and yet there's still like stuff. There's emotional yeah. stuff there. Okay. Yeah. And there's, it's just scary. There, there are moments where you you know, it never goes away. I'll carry that with me for forever. Like I don't have to go to the doctors. I don't have to go to check. I was released. I think it took like, I don't know. I think I was just released maybe five or six years ago. And I remember when the doctor looked at me and he said, you don't have to come back. Like, I really think, you know, <laughs> it's been this long. I, you know, I don't think you have to come back. And I took the stairs and I lost it because I had, it, you, you didn't even know you needed the release until totally. somebody said, Hey, you're good. Like, cause yep. you just, there's always that little thing in the back of your mind. Like, well, are yes. you sick? Are you going to get sick? What are you going to do? How's it going to go? Totally. Yeah. So there was, there's always that. Um, I try to be as healthy as possible so I can, you know, rock my kids babies someday, <laughs> <laughs> which is so far away, but I look forward so, to that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so my, I have two children. I have two sons. Yep. One yep. is they're 13 and 15. They're the loves of my life. Um, and I think I do hold a lot of the weight. Like when my mom left and some of this, I have a complicated relationship with my mother. Yeah. 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 I would love to be one of those people that are like, Oh, my mom is my best friend. And she comes over and we bake cookies. And, oh. It's, it's very complicated between my mom yes. and I, my, yes. my dad was my nurturer. He was the one that like was the nurturer for me. And he passed away about 11 years ago. So that's a whole nother podcast. We'll talk that about is, that later. Oh, April, isn't it though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, my son came downstairs just a couple months ago, right before Christmas. 
and said, mom, I have this thing on my face. Like it's this bump. I don't know what it is. And I, I have like, like the chills all over my whole body. Right <laughs> yeah. And I caught my breath, you know, I, it was like, well, look, come over here and let me check it out. So I could feel it. I could move it. It didn't hurt him, but it was there. And it was almost in the exact spot that I had mine. And, you know, to rewind the doctor who did my surgery, he said, April, there's nothing that you did that gave you this cancer. He's like, there's nothing. He's like, you just got, it just happened. Like there's, mm. you know, it's not genetic. It's not, it, the kind of cancer I had happened in men over 40 and I was a 23 year old <laughs> female. Like it was just right. quick. And then here I have my, you know, son who's like, mom, I have this bump. I don't know what it is. And so I was like, okay, well, we're going to take you to the doctor and get it checked out. Like, that's what we're going to do. And, you know, he went upstairs and I looked at my husband and he was like, like, oh my God, you know, and just my mind was just, it's, it's probably the most stressed out, scared I've ever been, ever been. And so of course we took him to the, we took him to the pediatrician and they said, well, you don't really I don't really know what that is. That's definitely something, oh. right? <laughs> I'm like, Seven doctors so, later. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking to them and I'm like, well, I know what it is. And your parotid gland is there and that's your salivary gland. And I really feel like we need to, you know, and this is my history. And so luckily they were like, great, we're going to take them for an ultrasound. We're going to see what happens. And um, we went to an ENT and the ENT immediately was like, well, we can give you some antibiotics and see if that shrinks it down. And if it doesn't, let's schedule surgery. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So we're driving home and I'm trying, you know, I'm, I just want to lose it because I am internalizing it. So I think a lot of this was like, holy shit, you're so scared. And oh, like, here we go. This is going to happen. And all of these emotions because I didn't know. And then, so I, you know, talked to myself, pulled myself aside and said, you know, it could be nothing, April, stop. Like this, we have to figure out what it is. And I think that's the only way I really got through those few weeks was, you know, and I said to my son's name is Bruin. And I said, Bru, um, do you realize what this is? And at that mm. point it was like a week before Christmas. And he's like, you know what, mom, I don't really want to until Christmas, until after Christmas. And I was like, that's great. Okay. Deal. We'll wow. Wow. No problem. So I was petrified and I, I didn't want to put that on him because he, you know, that's, that's my fear. I knew what was going to happen. Well, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew what the surgery was like and all of these things. Yeah. So amongst all of this, I talked to my mom and she's like, well, you know, I know just what that's like because I went through that with you and I knew that. And I was just like, oh, like there was a moment where I just, I hung up the phone with her and I thought I can either break down or I can make the decision to not let this be about her. Mm. Like, it's not about you. It's about my son and it's about me. And I, I really felt like at that point and it continued, you know, but I dealt with it better after that. It's like, <laughs> you're a child of the eighties and you've seen the movie labyrinth. 
Oh, when totally. She, <laughs> when she, she looks at him and she says, you have no power over me. And like the glass bubble breaks. Right? And it like, that was your moment. And that was my moment because I thought this is my opportunity. That's right. To be the loving, nurturing, like supportive person for my kid that I didn't have. And I can hate her for that, but it's not worth it. It's not worth my energy. I'm so tired of holding all of her issues and like making it all about her. I'm like, I'm not going to make her feel better about this. That's right. And then after that, you know, she said, you know, April, I'm, I don't really remember you being sick. Like what was I there? I mean, I don't know. I just don't know. She's 78 and she has some memory problems. And I said, well, mom, do you remember your trip to Germany? She goes, oh, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh-huh. I said, well, you, you and dad were, were not there. And she was like, oh, oh, okay. And there were times in my life where that would have sent me. Yeah, spiraling. Totally spiraling, yeah. like yeah. fetal position. Yes. Hurt and, and. And I just thought to myself, God, that sucks for you, mom. Like, yes, yes, yes. That really sucks for you that you didn't get to be there for me. And I know you missed it. You, you missed that time, you know, like another story that one of the pivotal moments in my life, when we talk about asking for help was when I was in radiation and I was so tired and not feeling good. And my parents were in Europe. And I had to mow the lawn. And of course, right. (laughs) And I hadn't mowed the lawn in forever. I'm not going to get through this story without crying. So I'm out there with this push lawnmower, trying to push the, trying, trying, trying. And down the street comes two of my neighbors and they're riding lawnmowers. And they stopped and they said, April, go in the house. You need your rest. And I just was like, oh my God, this is, this is what this, like, this is what it is to ask for help. Like I didn't need to mow the lawn and and there are people watching that love you and care about you. And they might not be your family. They, they might not be your family, but they value you and love you. And so I, I wanted to be there for my son. So he had the surgery. It took over five hours. complicated. Yep. It was very intricate because they wanted to, you know, the nerves are in there and it takes a long time. And so when they got done with it, they said that the tumor was probably somewhere between like a gobstopper and a golf ball in that range. So it was pretty big. Yep. Yep. And they were wonderful with me because they knew I was upset. I had to go alone because COVID. Oh, geez. Right. (laughs) So my husband couldn't go with me and he really wanted to, but he knew he couldn't. So, um, he was really sick when he woke up cause he was under the anesthesia for so long and we got him home and we got him taken care of and we had our follow-up appointment and the doctor said, I just got a phone with pathology. You're good. He, and he didn't even look at Bruin. He just looked right at me and he's like, he's good. It's good. And I just, I started crying and Bruin was like, mom, why are you crying? I go, they're happy tears, babe. They're happy tears. And maybe even that taught me that the story doesn't have to end 
the way you think it's gonna, you know, like you can have, you can have a, you can have a damn Disney ending, like they're out there. And it was such a huge relief because I, I was ready. I was like geared up. My husband and I went to the appointment with him. He knew I was worried. He was super worried. Um, and I was ready. I was like, well, we're going to have to have a plan. We're going to have to get a care thing. Like we're going to have to, you know, what are we going to have to do? Da, 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 da. And it was just like, no, it's good. And I mm. thought, oh my gosh, like, this is good. This, this is, good. is good. I am good. Yeah. I am. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our family is good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there you go. Like that's, that's how it, that's how it happened. So, and so when I heard that story about you, when you were talking about your mom and your brother's ashes, Mm -hmm. and I said it with you, I hadn't listened to the podcast and you said, and I asked if I could have some of my brother's ashes and I said it with you and you said, your mom said no. And I was like, oh, Oh, you you could like recognize her through your own mother lens. Yeah. 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 Because that's you know, that I don't need to take care of you. Like you have to hold this, this whole, this, your pain, Mm -hmm. like I got to hold it and you have to deal with it because it's mine and we're, you know, and you're my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I, if that makes any sense, when I let go of that, yeah, it was huge. It was, it was a huge, a huge release. I think it made me feel so much better. And my sister, when I talk, and I talked to her she's like what she did not say that to you she did not say that to you (laughs) thank god for my sister like we drive each other crazy but we wouldn't make it through without her she's like are you what did you do did you freak out what did you do did you yell at her I was like no I just it's not worth it it's just not it's not my stuff that's I mean it is my stuff but yeah but but not there's some things that are hers right yeah 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 April you put words to things and in such incredible ways. I'm taking notes on, on just like the, I, I hear the work that you have done emotionally to clearly distinguish who you are and where you start and stop. And then where, who mom is and where mom starts and stops. And in, in an ideal world, it is safe to not have such strong distinguishing needs. And that's yeah. how we begin our life, right? Is that we do get to merge. And that's the whole point. We literally are one with our children and with our mom at birth. And, and for moms that are not safe to be that tethered and connected mm-hmm. to, we have to learn really quickly how to safely distinguish ourselves. And that is a very long-term and painful yeah. process because there is still a need for all people to have that safe type of connection where you can just 100% let go and totally be yourself and not have to care for that person who is air quotes caring for you. Yep. So when I hear you getting to these places of, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to hold your stuff while I'm also trying to care for my son. Yeah. And when you want to make it about you, you can, but I'm not going to make it about you anymore. Yeah. And what a I, healthy break. Yeah. Cause there are boundaries that you have to have. They're just boundaries that you have, even with your mother, you know, like. Well, sometimes, especially with. Yeah. 
And so I was listening to Brene Brown and she's like, you got to learn to do these things. She's like, don't start with your mom. That's too big. That's too big. <laughs> she's like, you got to do a lot before you get to that relationship. And I was like, yeah, that's for sure. True. True. But I think I, I had to learn to, you know, and I'm still learning. I'm still evolving. Like it never Absolutely. stops, you know, but I had, there was somebody that said once, you can love someone with all your heart and they can still break yours, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the way it is. And so I've really learned to put up some boundaries, I think, and, and process that stuff and let her process her stuff. There's like, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's just like so much that there usually is. is. That, yeah. 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 And usually it's like, and this is, um, what I love about the concept of story is that even in this one story of your experience with cancer to your son's experience of cancer, that we really see the bigger story, which is this thwarted mother-daughter relationship that gets redeemed in this mother-son relationship. And yeah. so we get to see this beautiful story narrative and this arc because at some point you transitioned from the role of child this is happening to me to healthy adult I get to choose how this goes for me yeah not everybody makes that transition yeah that's a big one I try to say that all the time because I when people are like oh this happened for a reason I'm like oh come up with something new people <laughs> <laughs> and listen, you tell me who's making these because I've had a bunch of knocks and I don't know, but I can Preach. at least see how it happens for me. Like, what is, what is it that I can learn from in this? And what is Beautiful it that's going to make me a better person? Because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. living in it and, and drinking the poison and hoping somebody else croaks is not the right. way to do it, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. So, but this, okay, again, so when we think about like our work in the form of a spiral staircase, like I think at, at the very bottom level is I'm a victim and all this stuff is happening to me and this is, everything just happens to me and it's probably because I deserve this or I'm bad or, you know, whatever. We fill yeah. in all the gaps with why, you know, and then as we get a little bit higher on that next, you know, level, we think, oh, okay. Okay, so this isn't just happening to me, it's happening to everyone. So bad things happen. Okay, so maybe it's not yeah. about me. And then we, you know, we can circle around that spiral staircase and it's like, okay, so, so you know, actually some of this does belong to mom. It's not all mine. And we no. start to like pull apart the story. And and the the more that we continue to come around this, we realize that I did need to be angry at mom. I needed yep. to boil over. There are times where I need to say no, no, fuck no. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like this is like no, no, no in my bones, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. And really go through that cycle of grief because that's what this is. I'm oh. grieving the mom that I yeah. needed and didn't have. And so yep. a part of grief is fury. I need to be furious about this in order to heal. And so yep. coming around, I hear you already near this top of I accept who she is. And yep. I am not stuck on that floor or that level of my grief, stuck in anger. If I'm stuck in anger, I'm not done with my process. Yeah. And so I hear you coming up here of like, oh, and that's who she is. Not out of apathy, but out of acceptance. Yeah, it, absolutely. And I spent so many years in the anger phase, you know, where I was just so frustrated, so frustrated. Um, and I just think that I, you know, you evolve into that place and you watch your kids. Like my son is 
very, very emotional. He's, he's a lover, not a fighter. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And I was the same way. And my mother was the same way. So my mom got squashed when she was young and was told that wasn't acceptable. And then I just got told that I was ridiculous. And so when my son gets that way, I sit with him and say, listen, bud, this sucks. Like, you know, let's just get it out. Let's work through it. Like Mm. I'm going to sit here with you and we're going to, we're going to feel this together because I know what that feels like. And so, yes, Yes. you know, I don't want him to feel like his feelings are invalid because he's emotional because, you know, he came downstairs one time in tears because he saw a thing about global warming. All right, well, let's just totally, (laughs) you know, okay. Like global warming stinks and it can be really scary. And if you need me to sit here with you through that, we can sit through. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was to lay, it wasn't a great year last year, Uh, a year ago on um, Halloween, he got diagnosed with type one diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Okay. So that was a big life change. And he had such a huge life change, huge life change. And so he had some things going through that. And when he got done with this surgery, he was like, I'm just so tired of these things happening. Like this just, I just, this just sucks. I don't, I, you know, I don't feel good and it sucks. And that's what I said to him. I said, yeah, buddy. It does. It does. You're right. (laughs) Yep. It feels, it's as big as it feels. You know, that's a line that I say to my kids a lot. It is as big as it feels, even to my friends. It, you are not making this up and you're not making this harder than it is. It is exactly as big as it feels to you. Yeah. Yeah. And he said to me the other day, he's like, you know, I'm feeling really bad. And I know that once I get through this bad, I'll be on the good side and it'll be good. And I said, well, that's son. I know he's such a great kid. I'm like, well, you got to feel the bad. I'm like, cause it makes the good just as good. Like, but you got to get there through the bad. And, um, he was like, you know, mom, I feel a lot better. <laughs> oh, I was like, look okay, at you. Good. Look at what this is like. You are doing. You are more than trying. You know, this is the cosmic redo, if you will. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. you know, I, I remember when someone, I heard that this line, um, you know, that you are who you were, who you've been waiting for. Uh-huh. And I, at, at first, I was like, oh, I don't like that. And I actually really don't like it. And, I'm like, because like, so what if I can show up for me? Like I, I, where, where the hell was my mom and my dad and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And I just wasn't, I just didn't at the level of like spiral dynamic, I was not there to hear mm-hmm. that. I didn't have the ears to hear that at, at this point. When I hear your story, I think in a sense, when our life comes back around for us, mm-hmm. not to us, like you said, yeah, there is an opportunity to become right now in present day who you needed a long time ago and that that is a cosmic pay it forward that there is restoration that happens for you in real time right now as you do it differently for your son that also slides through into our own Mm -hmm. story and like sturdies up that young girl and validates the fact that you did need a mom you were correct that your story is true yeah you were not being dramatic. You were not being overly needy. You were, your needs were legit and you are big enough to handle them. Yeah. And it all gets to come full circle in a way where you were the one you've been waiting for. Look at you. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you can just be, if you can just unarmor and Mm. un, and let the, the bullshit go and let the, (sighs) 
you know, the pressure and the inner critic and all that stuff, like, you know, in your, I know this little flame inside of me is pretty amazing. I know I'm an amazing person. And if I can just convince myself to, to be rolling, rolling enough to let that shine, you know, I think, I think, you know, if I can do it just even just to my kids, even if it's just to my kids, well, Amen, yes. you know. Right, but Richard, I mean, the, uh, that's my, I love it. I'm sure mine's downstairs would like to talk to your dog. That's great. <laughs> um, I, I hear that with the, with the motherhood thing. Sometimes we do, I'll find myself saying that. And it's like, there's no such thing as just to our kids okay. because that is truly where the real work happens. Cause it is easy. It is easy to be excellent outside of the home. And it is yeah. hard to come home and realize that this is the most important work we'll ever do. Cause these are the people who really get the whole story, yeah. the whole story. So yeah. no such thing as just to your kids. That is, that's your <laughs> legacy. That's everything. Yeah. And I'm so fortunate, like, and I know this, I feel it in my bones, my kids, I'm the marching band director and I'm the high school band director and my kids mm-hmm. go to our school. So they'll even say to me, mom, like, is this band director, mom? Or are you mom, mom? And I'll be like, Love today, that. well, we're home. So I'm mom, mom. Yeah, but yeah, when yeah. we're at school, I'm band director. Mom. I love it. I love it. And that's a, what a clear yeah. distinction when you get to say, when you get to name your roles, so there isn't confusion. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I show my kids at school, like, way more than anything I can show them hundred percent like I can be silly and funny and mm-hmm. outrageous and tough yes and, <laughs> you know all of those things yeah. yeah I heard an interview with Sally Parton and she said I rarely lose my temper but I use it a lot and I thought I love that that's a yeah. dolly damn it dolly, so good. <laughs> damn it, dolly. brilliant but I just, I have, I'm a firm believer. I should get a t-shirt that says, we're all just doing the best we can. Like we are, we are. That's all you are doing do. what we know how to do. And, and yep. I think that that's really like the heart of a lot of these conversations is, um, I do believe that also. Um, I believe that my mom is yeah. doing the best that she can do. And yeah. I'm hurt. And I yep. get let down. And, 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 and damn, and, yeah, I, and, yeah, yeah. cause so, that's it. You know, like she's doing the best she can and, mm-hmm. and it still hurt me and, and I still had a hole and yes. And yeah. it's not enough. Yeah. Like I get that she has her shit and mm-hmm. it still hurts. Like, that's right. and I think it's one of the most powerful words in the English mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it, it's true. You know, it is like, I got, did I get through cancer? Did I, did I make it through radiation? Absolutely. And it sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that, yeah. So that, that little connective piece opens the door for our experience to be just as valid as everybody else's. And so when we move into that experience of holding both, then I think that's also when that true connective healing comes forward is I'm not discounting my story because my mom doesn't know better. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, we would never grow if that, if no. I just kept disappearing, <laughs> if I, if, if all my pain disappeared on because someone else didn't know. What? So, yeah. That's, it's still there. Like all of the yeah. hurt and the, and the things that I wish I had, like, I'm not gonna not wish I, you know, there's things that I wish that I had. I know I, 
I'm, I didn't have them and I'm not going to get them. Like I didn't get that support, but it doesn't mean that those things aren't still there. They just, I think that now when they come up, I can recognize them and say, yes. Oh, Oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got it. I got yes. it. And I think in my own, like my own work with my own mom is I disconnect my healing from her. And so for a long time, when I first began to recognize that wound, I kept thinking that she'd be the one to then meet it. If I could ask her, you know, if I could ask her for the ashes, maybe she could say yes. If I could give her the opportunity to like really knock the ball off the tee, then maybe she'd really do it. Um, but, But separating that piece of this hurt came and this wound now, what do I need? And are there other ways that this can be attended mm-hmm. to that yeah. they're one? Is that me? Am I healing myself here? Is it through the opportunity to reparent myself and my children? Do I ask my partner? Is it my relationship with like with spirituality? Like, what is it? But I, I go to each wound mm-hmm. and word and memory and longing and acknowledge that it is worthy of being here and showing up and and feeling that longing that is yeah. that's, it's just real it's legitimate <laughs> right and it's worth it to yourself like it's so worth it to me to heal those wounds like mm-hmm. and I think I did the same thing like I expected her to come in and you know sew them up and and everything was going to be great and so you leave them open because you're waiting for them for somebody else but the only person who can sew them up is you like totally. so that you can be complete in your in yourself you know totally. I think and that's a, like a huge aha moment because Mm. I can't, she can't heal me. Only I can heal me. And so I can't be resentful that she can't do that because I can, I should be, I'm not going to say grateful because I'm not grateful. You don't have to be grateful. (laughs) I think that's when we border into toxic positivity. I think when we try to wrap things up is like, and I'm actually really grateful for all the shitty things that happened to me. (laughs) It's like, Oh, it feels so, so shallow to me. I'm like, okay. Okay. And maybe, okay, cool. So maybe there are people that are like, that are in a different place. Awesome. Um, You go, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Get it, girl. I just, I reserve the right for some things to just be shit. Yeah. (laughs) No bow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the way it is. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. 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 And then also being open to the fact that there are bows in places I didn't anticipate. Some things like, mm-hmm. even in that podcast that first connected us, was that, whoa, I didn't anticipate that there were ways that I was receiving a gift of connection to my brother that I never would have received if she would have said yes. And so yep. sometimes there, there is the unanticipated gift in our pain. Um, yeah. But I don't believe that they are ones that we wrestle to the ground and make happen. No, no. It's like the lawnmowers, you know? Oh, that's like, that is a beautiful come, metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Like here come the lawnmowers. Like nobody, they, the yeah. And they help mm-hmm. us on the way. And I still see some of those people and I, mm-hmm. and the guy who, and I say, you're, and he goes, you don't have to tell me. I remember, I know. And I've mm-hmm. told him so many times that that like meant the world to me it was a turning yes. point in my life, you know? Right. It, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Okay, so what would you say for people that have their own mother wound? We call it the mother load, right? The, the mother. mother, you know, what? I think one of the things you have to get away from is com- is about comparison, you know? And if you can compare yourself to other people, it's just so toxic. But 
if you can pull yourself out of the situation of looking at your relationship like someone from the outside, like if, you know, I started to look at my mom as a person with feelings and hurt instead of just my mom, you know, like she has her own stuff to deal with. And that doesn't necessarily, I don't have to let that affect me and be patient and be kind to yourself. Mm. Like just be gentle and talk to yourself the way you always wanted your mother or whoever else to talk to you because that's what yes. you deserve. Yes. Yes. You know, and it, it takes time and it's slow and I suck at patience, but that's what you have to have because mm-hmm. in the end, if you can, <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell this story. My dad I is listening somewhere. So he was, he, my dad did motivational speaking and he used to tell this story about two twins one was an optimist one was a pessimist and so they put them up against these doors and they opened up the door and the kid went in and had every toy he could ever want he just bitched and moaned the whole time and the other kid opened up the door and there's a big pile of horse shit and he Mm. ran in and he flung the horse shit all over and they're like what are you doing we just gave you a pile of horse shit and he's like all this horse shit there's got to be a pony in here somewhere (laughs) totally 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 my dad would look at me so many times and he would just say, April, honey, remember the pony. Just remember the pony. And I would be like, okay. Thanks, dad. Thanks, Thanks dad. dad. I'll keep yeah. shoveling the shit. But, you know, but somewhere there's... Yes. There's release. Yes. There is there's, release. And when you can come in and, and see and hold that person who you know you really are. Mm, that's good. It yep. feels so good without the, like, if my mom were standing there saying, you can't go in there and hold her because, but when I, when I pushed that aside to really be able to hold who I am and make my decisions to do what I need to do. That's right. That's right. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful feeling. And it comes and goes, you know? I think that's the part that allows us to stay human, right? You know, is that yeah. when when we get that twinge of, ouch, that still stings, or, oh, yeah. I forgot, duh, yeah, 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 let me get back to that. And it's like, it's just, it's just, we are still the person. <laughs> yeah. There's good days so, and bad days. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you so much for sharing your, like, your personal journey and being so forthright about your relationship um, with your mom and your son. I think it's, I think a lot of the time, and I'll speak for myself as well, there is a fear of speaking negatively. And yet we also have to tell the truth and we can say things. It's not being negative. It's being honest. And when we're honest, we have the opportunity for repair. And you are an example of how to do that, of how to tell the story well and openly, right? You're not shirking around it. You're not brushing over it. You're not being, oh, no, it's fine. It's like, no, no, this is what happened. This hurt. And look where I'm at right now. Yep. And thank you so much. That means so much to me because, you know, you just hope you're doing the best you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you're doing good. (laughs) You're doing it well. You're doing it well. Oh, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank 
Thank you. This has been like for real, like a dream come true. Like I couldn't, the day I got your email, I almost had a heart attack. I was like, oh my I God. got in the car. I, I, and I, I had to like read, read it multiple times because I almost didn't post this podcast about my mom because it, she's alive. She lives in town. She's I, here. But and I, I told like, my sister I was doing this podcast. She goes, okay, hold on. Is there any way that mom will ever hear that? <laughs> right? So do you and know I was like, there's I no way. Right? <laughs> See, and this is the thing where it's like, I, like I'm, I, I weigh this as well. And I'm like, you know what? Like, is anything that I said untrue? Nope. Is no. anything that I said, I'm like, this is exactly what happened. And like, it's like Anne Lamott says, if you, if you don't, if people don't want you to write shitty things about you, about them, then they shouldn't have done shitty things. And I'm like, you're so right. Like, this is what it yeah. is. I think that's what I said to her. I said, well, you know, this is it. This is the story. Like, like yeah. what am I going to do? Like, this is the, what, this is what happened. This is how we all work through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like no shade, just what it, but just what it is. Yeah, and that's it is. And that's the part of like getting to own our truth too. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so good. I just, yeah, I'm grateful that you reached out when people, when people feel connected to something, it's, it's, it, um, it highlights for me again, why, why I, why I do trailer cast. It's like, yes, because we get to connect in our story and we, it gives us another way to like, oh, that I know that pain or I know that joy or I know yeah. that overcoming. And yeah, it's, I just, I love it. So I'm really glad that you reached out. It's perfect. Yeah, this is fantastic. And it's true. Once you hear that somebody else had that experience, it just makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. it's so huge good. difference. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. Okay. I love that conversation. Um, okay. So this part of the show, I, I take notes while we're talking and cause certain things stand out to me where I'm like, Oh yes, 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 yes. And then I spend some time after the conversation just sitting with that experience and reflecting on it. And then I share some of that here. And so in the part of this show, the reason that this part exists is because within every conversation, there is something to be, to be gleaned, something to to draw upon further. And so I hope that you do that too. When you listen to these episodes in general, I hope that you, that you run it through your own story, that you think about where you connect, uh, where you agree and disagree, right? Because all of this is learning. N no part of, of this podcast is hard and fast, black and white rule of law. This is the way it must be for everyone everywhere. Um, this is a moving, living evolution of thought and feeling and philosophy and and truth. And so I, I hope that there are things that you come into alignment with that you're like, oh, that totally explains and, and fits where I am. And then I hope that there are other things that challenge you and that you come into conflict with and that you wrestle with that are like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't agree with that. Or I don't whatever, because isn't that also connection? And isn't that also the way that we uh, could like honestly like tangle up? Like I, I'm always looking for other people who want to like, like uh, proverbial, proverbially arm wrestle. Like who's on the other side? Like don't, don't back away because don't agree. Come forward because we don't agree. Like let's, let's be here together in that messy middle. And like Brene Brown says, like to get in the arena and what that's like to actually like work these things through. So, so 
that's what this for. This is that's what this is for. Um, the conversation with April obviously hits on some pretty big topics. One, she leads off with, you know, you think you're the only one. And I really feel like that is why this podcast exists, because a lot of us walk around thinking that we are the only one who feels this way, that we're the only one who has, who feels uh, sad, bad, alone, fill in the blank. And when we get to hear someone else's story and we realize that we are not the only one, there is a sense of relief of like, oh, oh, okay. I thought it was just me. Um, can you believe that story though? Can you believe that the cancer she had is the same cancer that her son had? I mean, that is just what a, what a wild journey to be on. When she reached out and told me the story, I was like shaking. I was like, come on. Um, let's hit on a couple things together. One, uh, the mother wound and what happens when we don't get what we need. What happens when we don't get what we ask for? Uh, what happens when mom is doing the best she can and it is still not enough? I, I know how complicated relationships are, specifically the mother-child relationship, and I encourage you, however good or healthy or unhealthy your relationship seems, it is a really strong mirror for us to look into and to do that work alongside a therapist or someone who can help you untangle the storylines. You know, you, I could hear in April how much work she's done. I was like, oh yeah, this person has looked at these things and she has done some work to separate her story from her mom's story. And that is a really, really essential piece to our healing. So at the beginning of our um, attachment and connection with parents, um, we are merged to the point where we feel our job is to reflect what our parents need, that we learn to mirror and each other. And that doesn't suit us in adulthood because at some point we have to have our own feelings and needs and there has to be a divergence or a sense of, mm -hmm, that's how you feel and that's what you think and this is what I think and what I feel. And not every person is sturdy enough to handle that difference or to make room for their kiddos' needs. In that, comes the boundaries, uh, the psychological work of unpairing myself from my mom so that way we can both be whole, so we can both be here. Um, maybe we'll do a whole episode on this because I feel like there's like a lot more I want to say without, um, <laughs> without carrying on too long. So the mother wound, um, the opportunity for April to be able to connect back to her post-college self. And when she was going through her own cancer experience, things became more clear for her, more clear about what mom could have done, more clear about what she needed. And I, I thought it was beautiful for her to be able to see her repair in this, how she did show up for her son, how she did stay, how she did get to the doctor, how she did, you know, she did, she did, she did, she did. That is a sign of healing. Okay. So sometimes when our life comes full circle and it comes back around to us, um, it would have been easy if she didn't take care of these wounds for her to flounder and get paralyzed and not go to the doctor and deny that there's anything there or um, minimize her son's experience. Or, you know, there's a lot of responses. And again, not at fault, but as a result of un healed trauma, we don't always respond in the way that we want to. 
but I could hear in April's work that she was ready to be able to support her son through this. And that is so neat. I just wanted to highlight that for her too. Um, the other things I wanted to touch on were at one point in the beginning of the episode, you, we could kind of hear April going through, you know, you want to be this, you want to be that. And, and what happens when we begin to say that is we are telling ourselves how we are going to be. You want to be strong. You want to be tough. Translation, I have to be strong. I have to be tough. I have to do it on my own. And the unspoken messages that we perceive from our environment become our rule of life and the way that we do things. This is the work that we do at weekends, BTW, the unpacking of the messages that we have absorbed and then built a life upon. And we want to see what it is that we have built, what is the foundational messages we have built our life upon and why things continue to repeat. And so we go through each message and figure out like, oh gosh, I built my life upon that. And we go back and we go through and we re-message. We build on something sturdier, more accurate, uh, maybe a little bit more grown. grown. Okay. Um, the hard to ask for help, I felt like majority of people could connect to that. I'm like, oh yeah, it is hard to ask for help. Um, also, did you hear her inner monologue saying like, oh, um, I'm going to be a burden. And yet at the same time, like, but I don't know. I feel like when someone asks me in, I feel honored. When someone says, Elise, this is what's going on. I'm like, oh, you trusted, you trust me and you trusted me enough to ask me. What, what a gift, what a gift, what an honor. I can't believe that I get to be the one to be like, to be your friend in this. So let's put, let's look at it from that perspective too. Other than that, where we're going to wrap this up is with the idea of grief. Um, I, this is for sure an Enneagram 4 thing, but I really like using the lens of grief, the construct or the structure of the different stages of grief for us to understand the necessary separation in relationships, how we evolve through our different stages of healing when we look at the different stages of grief and what is necessary for us to get to a place of acceptance. Uh, I think that might be a fun thing for you to look into if you want to do extra work is to search stages of grief and to think about where you are in those stages of grief as it pertains to your primary relationships. Are you in a stage of denial or bargaining, anger, sadness? Where are you when you think about how you feel about your mom or um, things that have hurt you or what's left unresolved? So just added. Um, Other than that, you guys, if you also have thought about coming on TrailerCast and want to work through something together. And sometimes we're not working through things, we're just sharing. I would love to have you. You can reach out at hello at trailercast.com and or just go to Elise Snipes, my website, and you can see everything there. Everything from one-on-one therapy to retreats that I'm leading to being on the show. This is kind of the one-stop shop for all that's going on. As always, thank you for your listenership. Um, Thank you for just your headspace on this, your heart space on this, your time. It means a lot that you choose to listen here. And there's so many things that we could be choosing to fill our time with. And so I'm honored that you spend this time with me and that I get to spend this time with you. Okay. I hope you have an amazing week and I hope that you continue to turn things over in such a way that you feel renewed and healed. Cheers. Cheers.